to move it back a little bit. I'm afraid I might tumble off the platform if I leave it. Here we go. All right, so somebody asked me last week, they said, you know, Elizabeth, you used to do every once in a while some God sightings and how you saw God working here over the past week. And I thought, well, I can do that again. And it's been so interesting this past week. Um, As we've begun Lent and as we've invited folks to live into a Lenten discipline, there are 119 of us studying the walk together. 119 of, of, of this church, 119 people studying the Word of God, and I think that's pretty good. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that, and of course, there are some who, who can't make the classes and all that sort of thing, but, but it's so great to know that so many of us, and even more than I know, are serious about reading God's Word. And so I just give thanks for that, and we're going to tease that out a little bit this week, but... Um, Anyway, I, I just think that's great. And I see the Spirit moving. I mean, the Word is just Word on a page unless the Spirit enlivens it. And so it's exciting to, to have that opportunity again and again and again. But um, anyway, if you will, please stand. And I will read this morning's scripture. I have the, the picture that's up there. It's kind of where it, this text takes place. If you Google Earth, kind of that space right outside of... Um, Egypt going toward the Red Sea, this is what you get. So hold that in mind for a little bit. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was nearer. For God thought if the people face war, they may change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people by a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of the land of Egypt prepared for battle, and Moses took with him the bones of Joseph, who had required a solemn oath of the Israelites, saying, God will surely take notice of you, and then you must carry my bones with you from here. And they set out from Succoth and camped at Etham and on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went in front of them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them along the way, and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light, so that they might travel by day and by night. Neither the pillar of of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place from in front of the people. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated and let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in thy sight. Help us listen, Lord, for the moving of your spirit that will enliven these words of scripture in our lives and call us forth to live in a way that is pleasing in your sight. For it's in your name that we live and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So, as I said, I'm going to tease out just a little bit from our study, The Walk, um, today. And don't worry, I'm not going to give some of it away. And if you haven't read yet, you still have to read for today. But I found it so interesting that, that um, Adam Hamilton engages the Scripture and the study of Scripture as one of our spiritual disciplines. And as he began kind of talking through that in his book, he said just a few things that I found fascinating. One, he said that 87% of Americans own a Bible. Now, 
that's pretty good. 87% of Americans own a Bible. No need to look around here in your room to think who might not have one. I'm sure we all do, right? We own a Bible. But Hamilton went on to say that a small number of those who even own a Bible actually read it. It's cumbersome. It's, it's an ancient text. And so even though we may own a Bible, and maybe we inherited it, but even though we may own one, very few of us actually read it. And so Hamilton's charge in that is, can you just pick up the Scripture, this living Word of God, and read five verses a day? Can we do that? Doesn't seem like that tall of an order. Or requests or discipline. Can we, can we read five verses a day or, or maybe five verses a week? Now, the Bible is a tricky book. I get it. There are some things we can agree on and there are some things we just don't agree on. We know that the Bible was written over a period of 1,400 years. And it's been read for maybe four times that long. But it was written over a period of 1,400 years. There are 66 books in our Bible. We can agree on that. 75% of our scripture is found in the Hebrew Bible. Or what Christians call the Old Testament. 75%. 15% is in the New Testament. The gospel and the letters and, and all. And so we, we have these things that, that we can agree on because they're just the facts, right? They're just the facts. They're just plain and simple. And yet I think one of the challenges that comes to us is what do we do when we're all reading this same word of God? This same text. What do we do when the Bible speaks to us in different ways? And it does. There's no getting around that. I, I even have found that some people say that they can read the Bible five years ago and then now they read something different in the same text. Even the same person can read and engage Scripture differently over time. Heck, I can do it from week to week. But we wonder, how, how is it? And so some people get all twisted up in, in how we understand the Bible differently. And, and all throughout my ministry, this has been true. And probably since people even became literate, this has been true. And certainly from the beginning of the printing press, when they were literate, if they were literate and could get their hands on Scripture, this is true. This is just nothing new. We don't agree oftentimes on some of what it says. And yet I would hope that what we agree on is, is how the Spirit lives and moves. And I hope that we could trust one another in how the Spirit lives and moves, enlivening the Word of God and different people in different ways. And throughout my ministry, I have leaned on that disciple Bible study. If you've done that, it's a study that covers 80% of the Bible in about 30 weeks. And if you've done that, they have these Ten Commandments of Bible reading at the beginning. And one of those Ten Commandments I just love and I think is so true, it says, our disagreements about the Word of God bother us more than they bother God. And it's just true. So here we are. How do we, how do we engage this Word? And, and I love this text today because it sums up the whole of Scripture in six verses. I love it when that happens. I love it when we get the whole picture in just six verses. Hamilton said, read five a day. Here we've got six, not too much of a stretch. The whole of the Bible. 
The major themes in these six verses taking place right there in that picture you see on your screen. Now, we engaged with the Israelites just as they have come out of Egypt. And that's perhaps the story that we remember. That's, that's in the Disney story, right? That's the one that gets animated on film or Charlton Heston or whoever. There's tons of um, pictures of this that we can have mentally or in Scripture or in the media. The Israelites <clears throat> have just come out of Egypt, and, and we get that. We understand that. Those are the scenes that we can picture in our minds. And then, right, the other side of just these six verses, the Israelites are going through the Red Sea. Moses has stood over the sea and parted the sea, and the Israelites passed through it. So we know these two stories pretty well. The Exodus, Scripture tells us 600,000 men, which means it was probably quadruple that with the women and children, if not more. More than a million people leaving Egypt after 400 years of slavery, bondage. 400 years. We can picture that and then we know what it looks like perhaps as they crossed the Red Sea and Moses parted the Red Sea with his staff and, and all of that. Th those are the things we're familiar with. But these six verses, if we pay attention to them, we realize the whole message of Scripture. We begin to engage it in a way I think is so helpful for us this day. Bible Lesson 101, Part 1, is that when the Pharaoh let people go, God led them by the way of the land. God delivers. That's the message. From beginning of Genesis to the end in Revelation, one of the overarching themes of Scripture is that God delivers, God liberates, God saves. You can put all sorts of verbs into that message, into that theme. God delivers us, all of his people, from slavery, and we are all enslaved to something, someone, some habit, some idea. Some sin, we're all bound by something. And the message here, Bible 101 part 1, is that God delivers us from that. And we see it quite literally in this story of the Israelites, this long ago story that tells us quite literally that, that Moses led the people out of Egypt on God's behalf. But the message that transcends time the message that encapsulates so much of the word of God is that God delivers. God saves. I, I like the song that we sang a couple songs ago. God, if God is for us, God is for us, right? That's part of the totality of the word of God. God delivers. That's the word. But I like it even more because it's not always as we expect that deliverance, that liberation, that salvation is not always perhaps the path that we would choose. God delivers the people from, from Egypt, from the um, bondage, and God led them by the way of the Philistines. He did not lead them, sorry, by the way of the Philistines, although it was nearer. If you ask me, I like the direct route. I GPS everything now. I want to know where there's a wreck, where there's traffic, where, how can I get around that, if I need to take an alternate way, all of that. I, I don't like being indirect. 
I don't like it when I'm not asked to take the easy way. And, and this is what God is saying here. God delivers us. But we go the route that God has prepared. And it's not always the most direct. God delivers us and he did not take them through the land of the Philistines, although it was easier, although it was nearer, because God knew something they didn't. God knew they weren't ready for war. God knew that the people of God were not ready to take up arms against the Philistines. And he knew that if they went the direct route, then that might be part of what would happen. And so God took them the roundabout way of the wilderness. I love that word, even though I don't like being roundabout. God took them the roundabout way through the wilderness. God knew what the future held. And when God delivers us, the path isn't always the way that we would choose. We meander, we wander, we get on the roundabout, we, we, we engage God in the way, if we're being faithful, that God leads. And sometimes that's because God knows that the easiest way is not the most faithful. Or the most direct route is not a route that we could stand. Again, you take this lesson from what happened to what does it mean to us? How does this word transcend time? Sometimes God leads us in ways we don't expect, in less than direct ways. Sometimes it's, not, um, it's more difficult to go the way of God because God knows that the easy way isn't formational for us as his people. And that if we go the most direct route, we might come up against things, situations, and so forth that we can't withstand. And so when God delivers us, God shows us the way. God takes us his way if, if we're willing to follow. God takes us a roundabout way in the wilderness. That's Bible 101, part one. Bible 101, part two. It's huge. Huge. Has to be if it covers most of the Bible. If it tells us one of the main themes. Bible 101, part 2. Moses took with him the bones of Joseph. That sounds kind of odd. Kind of gross. Moses took with him the bones of Joseph, who had required a solemn oath of the Israelites, saying, God will surely take notice of you. And then you must carry my bones with you from here. And in just a couple of verses, God is saying, God is reminding us that we indeed are a people of memory. We have a past. We have roots. We have a way of being. And God reminds the people in just those couple of verses that our way of being, our, our um, remembrances, our memory, grounds us in a covenant relationship with God. New covenant, old covenant, it doesn't matter. God grounds God's people in relationship, in covenant. And Joseph surely would have called that to mind. And, and the fact that they were willing to take Joseph's bones up and out of Egypt meant that the people were moving forward, going in a new direction, perhaps not the easiest route, going in a new direction, perhaps on a roundabout way. And yet, 
They knew we know how much our past matters. How formational our experiences are, particularly when those experiences are about our relationship with God. We're grounded, we're connected. We take those bones, whatever they may be, for better or for worse sometimes, but we take those bones with us. Not to be reincarnated, not to be worshipped. But as a simple reminder that God has claimed us. That God hears us is what the text says. God heard his people in bondage. God heard his people in slavery. And when they and we were able to get up and go on our way, follow God, even in the less direct route, when we were able to get up and go on our way, he would be with us every step. Covenanted to be our God, willing to do his part. And invites us to do ours. Again, that memory of covenant invites us to remember the relationship that it's a two-way street. That it's not just about God leading and delivering and saving. It's about us getting up and keeping our word to take Joseph out of Egypt. To walk forward, to participate, to be part of what God wants to do in and through us. We engage and we carry with us all of that we are, particularly that claim by God, that covenant with God, that relationship with God. Delivered in relationship, covenantal relationship, Bible 101, part 1 and 2. Bible 101, part 3 is summed up. We have this just... Um, in the last couple of verses, the Lord went in front of them in a pillar of the cloud by day to lead them along the way and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light so that they might travel day and night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Bible 101 part 3, God guides us every step of the way. We just have to look forward. We just have to look ahead. We look to where God is and where it is that God is going. And then we put ourselves into that path. I heard somebody say one time, we don't ask God to bless us. We ask rather that we become part of what God is already blessing. I love that. God has gone before us. God has delivered us. God has prepared us in relationship. And God continues to go before us in a cloud by day and in a fire by night. In a cloud to protect us perhaps from the rays of the sun in that desert wilderness or whatever it is that beats down on us. And God goes before us in a pillar of fire by night, light, warmth, God always in front of us, guiding us on to the promised land. And it's a lifelong journey. I don't think we've ever arrived and we're still going as God's people. And we hear these, these lessons from just six short verses of all that God does. All that God invites us to do and all that God will do in and through us as we follow. It's the same song, 10 billionth verse. 
But it's a song that never gets old. It's a song that invites us to trust God because we've trusted him in the path. It's a song that invites us to follow God even when we are wandering in the wilderness on a roundabout way. It's a song that invites us just to follow the light so that we may be part of what God is already blessing. Six verses. You got the Bible all right here. And I just think that's great. I just love how it can be so simple. Now, I've told you before that when my husband and I led a youth group years ago, the question always came up from the youth, so what? So what? So what that we have this covenanted relationship that actually is thousands of years old? So what? So what that we know that ours is a God that delivers us from whatever bondage we may be in, that ours is a God that saves us. So what? I mean, as I said, this is the same song, the 10 billionth verse. So what that God goes in front of us? What does it all mean? What does it all matter? The journey is ever before us. And we get to be part of it. And we get to trust that God is leading. I think that is huge. We, um, last fall, we entered into this time, and if you're visiting, I just will briefly explain it, a time called Harrison Next, where we are intentionally looking to where it is. God is guiding this church right now, from right here in this place. What is it that God wants us to do? And we know that the pillar of fire is before us. We're just trying to figure out which direction it's going. And so we have this five-pronged system that we're going to go over five things in a year and a half. That might be a roundabout way for some of you who like directness and ease. We want to get it done. But we're going to go over these five different things um, over the next year and a half. The first one, of course, is vision. What is our vision? What is it? To whom is God leading us? How is it that we will be in ministry right here, right now, from this place, focused on what God is calling Harrison to do? And who God is calling Harrison to be. And so our task force met last week with our consultant. And he said two things that I thought were so valuable for all of us on this journey. All of us. We're, we're using the, the resource from last fall of your prayers and your Bible study and of our conferences. That is what will inform our vision statement. And of course, you're invited to, to speak into that as we develop it. But, but anyway, he said there are a couple of things that you have to remember about vision statement. I mean, what does it mean? Is it just another statement? Just more words on a page? It will be if we don't seek the Spirit in it and follow that pillar of fire. But anyway, he said, you know, the Methodist Church is given the Great Commission, which is to make disciples for Christ, for the transformation of the world. That's a biggie. That's our mission. And we're given the great commandment to love God and neighbor as ourselves. We have commission and commandment. The vision is how we do it around here. The vision is how is Harrison called to love God and neighbor as ourselves. And the mission is how are we we called, this church, this congregation, called to make disciples for Christ. That's our vision. How do we do that around here? Well, we're figuring it out. And we're going to create and understand this vision that will become for us the Holy Spirit of fire. 
guiding, informing, calling, going before us. The other thing he said about our vision statement is that it needs to be both descriptive and aspirational. Descriptive in who is it that God is calling, who is it that we are? That's the right here, the right now. God, how are we? Who are we? That descriptive piece of it, that's the descriptive part. The aspirational part is, God, what are you calling us to do? What are you calling us to do? What is before us that you are already blessing? What is before us that we can be a part of? How is it that you will lead us, your people here at Harrison? Descriptive and aspirational. And we've got maybe two sentences to do it all in, so y'all keep up your prayers. <laughs> we've got the word of God, though, that tells us this, this is who we are. We are a people saved for a covenantal relationship, engaged with God and neighbor. Remember, they went as a tribe. They went as 12 tribes. They went together. It wasn't a Lone Ranger kind of story. We are a people saved, delivered, liberated. We are a people who go roundabout ways, not always the easiest direction. We are a people that are, that are covenanted with God through our past, through our roots, through our scripture. But that word is not living unless we are following the pillar before us. And like that pillar of fire or that cloud by day, it is the call. And it's how are we going to embody it? May God enliven our imaginations. May God take who we are and make us all that he wants us to be. Bible 101, it's all here. Let's make the word alive rather than just on the page. Amen. And let us pray. Gracious God, indeed, you are the living word that calls us, beckons us, guides us, leads us in a multitude of ways. God, you've been good to your word for thousands of years, so we trust you. And we count on you to lead us in whatever wilderness it is that we are in. We count on you to provide, to guide, to correct, to be our light. Lord, help us to be a people who pay attention. Help us to be a people to live into what you want to do right here in this place through all who gather here. For it's in your name that we pray. Amen. I love that song. It's a great one. We'll, we'll have to unpack it a little more if I don't preach so long. <laughs> Guide our feet, God. We know you will because you have. And we know you will because we've got a purpose. We're creating a vision, listening to your Holy Spirit. And go in peace because we know that you go before us. Amen. Amen.